Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squad Games Podcast, the only podcast where we roll dice and like to hear ourselves talk. My name is Giacomo, and with me is my co-host, Dakota. Dakota, have you ever read or seen Interview with a Vampire? Yes, I have, in fact. Oh, well, then we're going to have a surprise for you later today. But before that, (laughs) I want to ask you, uh, what have you been doing? What have you been up to lately? You know, we've been away for a minute. So I got COVID a little while ago. um, And uh, don't do that. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, my whole family got it and put me under the table for quite a while. That's true. We were gone for about a month? Month and a half. About a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I have also been working quite hard on our upcoming events. That's true. Yes. You know what else you've been working on? Huh? The stream. I have. That is uh, it's quite quite something that i've taken the undertaking on you want to give me a quick rundown on that yeah so every wednesday we're out there playing kill team possibly playing other games but in the right in the future but right now we're sticking to kill team having guests come on and uh we're streaming on twitch youtube uh facebook until we become a twitch affiliate then we're maybe even linkedin one day maybe yeah apparently you, you can, can stream, stream on, on LinkedIn. linkedin yeah whatever yeah twitter and D video, all crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, a bunch of Korean. D video sounds like one of those weird websites you'd be shown in like the early two thousands. Go on the D video website and find this one username or something. Exactly. You know that old stuff. <laughs> That's what that reminds me of. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, I want to get back to painting more myself because I've just been working on commissions, and I'd like to do some of my own things. I keep saying I'm going to paint those orcs, and I haven't painted those orcs yet for the commandos. For the commandos. You know, or the Corsairs. <laughs> you know, another thing you got to work on is uh, we have the LVTT coming up here pretty soon. That's right. Las Vegas team tournament. That the mini Marauders, which is our, uh, which is your team uh, mm-hmm. that I have joined, uh, is going to be competing at. Yep. You have a board to make, right? I have a board to make, and that's going to be a big thing for Imperial Fist. It's the only army I play in 40K. It's the only one I'm going to do for a while. Because I don't have enough time to have multiple games and multiple armies. So yeah, so I'm going to work on my display board. That's going to be a fun one. And that's pretty much the things I've been trying to do that I want to do, besides uh-huh. painting a bunch of Marvel stuff. How about you? you have anything you'd like to do? Yeah, well, I'm going to start streaming uh, the Avatar, putting him together, painting him, because uh, for the LVTT, I got to paint up like 1,500 points of Eldar nice. for it in two months at a high level, because I'm not great at 40k. I'd I just kind of go there for uh, painting and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, looking forward to doing that, getting the stream better every single week and also creating new and better layouts for Kill Team. So between that and family duties, I'm, I'm a busy man. Sounds good. Well, I want to go back to that interview thing I was talking about. So this has nothing to do with that movie from the 90s. But oh, really? It has everything to do with the person that we got to interview this, this, uh... this episode. All right, and that is Mr. It's going to be Chris Bakke, right? There you go, Chris Bakke. Can you give me a little bit of information about this man? Yeah, Chris Bakke is a well-spoken, awesome individual who also has a stream that he runs uh, on Twitch called the Kill Team Stream. It's him and Sheldon run that, and it's at uh, on Friday nights, uh, I think 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yeah, 6 p.m. Uh, on Twitch, Twitch. and... It's pretty fun, pretty entertaining. At the time that we recorded the interview, he was the number one 
uh, ranked ITC player in the world. Number one. Two days later, um, Ace, who is the now number one, uh, beat him by about 50 points. Mr. So, Spain. Mr. Spain himself, yep. Ace. So uh, we do refer to him quite a bit as the number one kill team player, but now know that he is number two. But uh, other than that, Chris Baki, he is a he's a great guy. Uh, I've played with him multiple times. I haven't got to play against him, but uh, I really like him. He's well, a good guy. We'll definitely get a chance at some point to play him. So for this interview, we actually brought a new host today. Would you like to introduce them? Sure, absolutely. Her name is Saya Yan. Saya? Hi, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I'm very excited. Well, Saya, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I first started, I moved out to California. I did some small acting gigs. Uh, most bragworthy is I got to work with Nathan Fillion. Uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. That's cool. I know, it's pretty cool. Uh, um, I ended up doing some character work. I was Wonder Woman at Six Flags. I'm very tall. Uh, and I kind of fell into the cosplay scene. I'm an all-around huge nerd uh D D tabletop gaming i fell in love with kill team though it's it's definitely um one of the most interesting games i've played how long have you been playing the game for i play oh i'd say maybe about five years maybe four years four years that sounds about right for the time first edition was out yeah four years i mean i was at lvo back that was what 2018 I know it was two, 2020. 2020? Yeah, 2020. Oh, yeah, right before the right pandemic. Right before the pandemic, yeah. and then the world shut down. That's but, right. And that was Kill Team 1, and then I took a little break, and uh, I came back and had to learn Kill Team 2. Much different vibe, but a uh, much different game completely. But it's 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 challenging, but it's, it's very fun, and I, I enjoy it very much. All right. Well, what do you like about the newest Kill Team? I like my team. Okay. the most uh no i i like well because i've only been playing kill team for four years again with a with a big break in between one and two coming back to it's kind of like i like the challenge of it i like especially with kill team two i like that like you can kind of think through your next moves i'm a very slow player and i get a lot of crap for that especially because it's like i've been doing the tournament circuit and i'm always the last one playing um but I, it's just because i like to think through everything i'm going to do uh, i enjoy winning that's why no i just like i like to like because there's a way you can play the game i mean no matter what you're always going to have a luck factor because if the dice aren't with you no matter how good of a player you are if you're rolling ones it's it's not going to work out for you but beyond that i i just like the I'm I'm trying to think of the right word here. Uh, the strategy portion of it, I think, is what I like the most. All right. Yeah. Well, now that you're part of squad games, actually, you've been a part of squad games for a while. You've helped a lot of the events. Behind actually, the, all of them. Yeah, I would say behind the scenes, I've been a quiet partner. <laughs> for, <laughs> loud at the tournaments, but quiet behind the scenes. Well, today's your debut. Now you get to you get to be as loud as you want. I Just know. Don't break the mics. I know. Oh, geez. Now, Saya, by doing these interviews, what do you hope to bring to the community of Kill Team players? You know, our goal here at Squad Games has always been to unite the community as well as expand the community. Uh, I know that Warhammer 40K is a huge game, but I feel like Kill Team does not even, it's not even like a drop in the bucket comparatively. <laughs> and it's a great game. And I think that it's a much more playable version because it only takes an hour and a half to play a game and it, you know it's it's just something that i think that a lot of people i feel like a lot of people play this move into 
Warhammer, but I, I'm now beginning to see a trend where Warhammer players are beginning to move into Kill Team because Warhammer takes up so much time. But beyond that, I mean, I feel like interviewing players helps show how great this group is and how welcoming and how like it also is giving people gameplay tips and all around information on kill teams from the pros and people on the scene. All right. Well, speaking of interviews, let's go ahead and get started with the interview. All right. Thanks so much for joining us uh, today. Uh, We're here with Chris Backey. Uh, the number one ranked player in the world as it stands right now through ITC. Uh, so what's new with you? I mean, I, I know we're here today to talk about novitiates, but um, I hear that you have a Twitch stream that you are just now getting going with. I do. So uh, I am helping to run uh, Kill Team Stream. You may have heard of it. Uh, run originally by Sheldon, who was streaming at a lot of the big events like LVO, KTO. And so me and him, we actually live pretty close. And so we're doing regular Friday night streams where he comes over and we get a big group of people together and we just put on one of the games that the group's really excited to see. So you can find that on Twitch at Kill Team Stream. And uh, you can check in to see a few hours of people trash talking each other and playing Kill Team. It's a great time. Love it. <laughs> You've placed third Las Vegas Open at the beginning of the year. What other tournaments have you attended this year? Uh, great question. And I actually had to go through BCP and look up everything because I sort of lost track of them. Uh, so obviously there was LVO in January. Uh, in February, I went to the uh, Kill Team Open in Baltimore, Maryland, which was an awesome time. And as it stands, I believe that that is the largest Kill Team tournament ever. I believe it still holds wow. that title. Um, a little bit after that, I played in the international tournament, which was on Discord slash TTS, uh, where basically teams from a few countries were represented and played in a head-to-head, you know, global international event. Unfortunately, U.S. played uh, placed second there, which was a little little bit of a bummer, but we'll get them next time. Uh, I did some prep tournaments sort of locally, getting ready for the big uh, sort of early summer season. Uh, I went to the Seattle Grand Tournament in May, which was awesome. Uh, later on in May, I went to the Bay Area Open, uh, and then most recently in June, I went to the Atlantic City Open. So it's been a lot of uh, tournaments for me this year, and I've had an awesome time meeting a bunch of wonderful people. So that Seattle one, that was the GW tournament. How, how'd that go? Uh, it was very interesting. Uh, met a great group of people there who I hadn't really ever interacted with or seen online or on the discords. Uh, and that was one of the famous tournaments where on some of the discords, you know, people were posting some of those terrain layouts saying, whoa, boy, look at this. And I had some really fascinating games at that uh, GT, uh, tr- basically with the players making sense of what to do with some of these boards that were massively open in the middle, which really threw off the game tempo of how everyone, including myself, had been practicing. And so everyone had to make sort of a last minute scramble to sort of understand how to bring their teams to that format. Um, otherwise, though, the players there were excellent. Uh, the TOs were doing their absolute best, given you know the knowledge and prep that they had. I talked to some of them, and they were given very, very little notice for the event they were going to have to run. Um, so that was definitely uh, you know some challenges, but overall great time. And I managed to pick up one of those cool golden tickets uh, for the uh, invitational event in New Mexico later this year. So New Mexico, what other events will you be going to this year? So uh, coming up here, I've got uh, Nova, uh, which is in uh, D.C., coming up in about one month. Uh, Later on after that, I'll be heading to the GW event in New Mexico. And I think that's it for what I've committed to before LVO coming up. LVO, how exciting. Do you know what you're going to play at LVO already? 
I do not. Uh, I'm really eagerly waiting this latest expansion into the dark to sort of see how the meta settles, see if there's any new teams coming out that I really want to dive into. So as it stands, it is an open field for me as to what I'm going to bring. Interesting. All right. Uh, so Squad Games actually has a Southern tournament circuit currently, and I know that one of the bigger events is a team tournament that's going to be happening in Pasadena and I believe early November. What are the dates of that, Dakota? It's going to be November 5th and 6th. November 5th and 6th. It's going to be an interesting uh, opportunity to be able to do an actual group uh, tournament play, which I'm currently looking forward to, but we always want to extend the invitation out to you and Sheldon. Uh, you guys can grab a third and come join us in Pasadena. That would be kind of fun too. But again, no pressure, but it's always nice if you don't know what you're going to play to be able to get some opportunities to get some new teams tested out. No doubt. That sounds like a great time. Uh, I know I haven't been tracking on too many of the squad games events yet, but I need to get myself in, in there. Uh, and SoCal is super close to me. Uh, I'm a no uh, Northern California guy. So that sounds great. And uh, Dakota, I think I'll be hitting you up. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Uh, okay. So moving forward, we are going to, I mean, novitiates. I have an un open box of novitiates because it's a it's a team i've wanted to play for a while but it looks like that you've mastered this team why novitiates what drew you to them um what, what's their appeal to you that's actually a really interesting question and when the when the team came out i actually wrote them off for a while uh, i didn't take the team seriously i played them a little bit locally and I just didn't think they had what it took to compete at a high level. And I sort of was running under this assumption until, uh, you know, I first met Ace running them at LVO this year um, in, in my day of pods. And that was a rude awakening saying, okay, this team definitely has muscle, you know, in the hands of a good player. And that was reinforced to me at Kill Team Open um, when I saw a player named Layla running them. And I sort of walked past her games a few times. And every time I walked past one of her games, I saw her in her opponent's drop zone, just absolutely wrecking face and her opponent just taking their models off the table. So that got me really excited to sort of dig into the team and see what they are capable of. And the second I started playing them, I just fell in love with how many synergies and combos they could set up. They're a really thought-provoking team if you want to really dive in and analyze your turn sequence. All right. So what does a novitiate's team look like to you? I mean, how many models make up a typical team? Well, the, the team is set at 10 operatives and generally has a pretty rigid structure. So if you go on the discords and look at the sort of, quote, recommended teams, they're all going to follow pretty much that same format. Uh, I don't have, I have the list in front of me, but you're always going to take the two flamers. You're going to take the, the girl with the big chainsword, uh, the whip girl to power her up, and a few other operatives. So the, the team comp itself is actually rather static. But I think where the team gets really interesting is the the sort of the turn sequence and activation order. What do you think your most valuable operative is on that team? It's sort of hard to say because there's a few girls that really compete for the top spot. But I suppose my personal MVP is the Condemner. Uh, this girl truly does it all. Uh, she's silent, so she can fire while concealed. Her weapon is amazingly powerful. It does a lot of mortal wounds, and it's very accurate and backed up by a great tack ploy if for some reason you miss and really need to hit. Um, past that, she also has the Null Rod ability, which reduces the APL of enemies near her and caps it at two. And that actually works on Custodes, Death Guard, and, and other operatives that can't have their APL modified, because it's a cap, not a modifier. Hmm. So what's your favorite pairing? Uh, what models do you think work best together? There's a few pairs in the team that are pretty great. 
uh, you've obviously got the exactor and the penitent, right? Which the exactor will make the penitent go faster and give her a plus one APL. And that's going to really help her get across the board more quickly. But I think something that people don't discuss enough, and, th- and this is something I would, I would echo if I was talking about vet guard, is the usage of the medic. And I think the the ability to put your medic in really, really power positions gives your opponent basically a lack of choices as to who they can attack. Uh, sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can create really, really punishing scenarios with right usage of the medic. Uh, so this team uses something called Acts of Faith, correct? That is correct. And uh, how does that differ from command points? The, it's a separate pool. Uh, exactly. So faith points are their complete own different pool and sort of attack on to how the faction operates. And managing your faith points turns on turns into sort of a dance between managing your command points and exactly how you allocate that resource, and then your faith points and exactly how you, you're going to allocate that resource. And a player playing against you, especially at a high level, is going to watch that pool of faith points like a hawk. Now, your faith points, are they generated through the game, or is it just something you're allotted at the beginning of the game? So you're going to get three at the start of each turn for having a pulse. And then there's sort of two <laughs> primary ways you're going to pick them up. Um, one is who everyone calls the cup girl. And she's she is the uh, Pronatus. And she uh, is good at generating more faith points, especially if she's on an objective. Uh, one thing that people actually don't talk about that much is that she still generates two faith points if she's not in an objective. The objective just makes it three instead. And there oh. have been times where I've actually needed to have her off the objective. Uh, and then there's also a tactical ploy that can give you a little bit more as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I mean, you're generating a lot of points to be able to to you know build your girls up a bit. Yeah, you can generate quite a number of them. They sort of snowball um, if your opponent doesn't press you hard enough, especially early in the game. And that turns into a big part of how the faction plays at a higher level. It's sort of how you balance how many faith points you're generating on that first turn versus how aggressive you are, sort of trying to push up field into positions and burning faith points to get into positions that maybe you shouldn't normally be able to be in. Uh, your faith point abilities, is there one that you, is there one that's your go-to, like one that you just repeatedly have to use? So I think that's that's definitely uh, an interesting question because, you know, I, I think the easy answer is saying they all get used, right? Um, and that's sort of the easy easy sort of get out of jail free card here. Um, I think the one that to me is the most interesting that every game I sort of come back to in a pivotal moment is the one where you convert a retained hit into a critical hit. Because the number of things you can really do by forcing this one crit to go off can be really, really remarkable. It can be pushing the damage, for example, your uh, you know, your chainsword lady, if she gets a charge off and you really need to do that six wounds of damage, you can guarantee it's going to be the case. If you can demo shoots and you really need that P1 or mortal wounds to trigger, you can guarantee it's going to be the case. It's the most expensive option at three faith points, but boy, is it worth it. Hmm. Moving into gameplay, I mean, what are your go-to tack ops that you usually choose in a tournament setting? So novitiates are blessed uh pun intended by the fact that they get the security archetype and uh as you know definitely other seasoned players will tell you security archetype is great because it does two things one it sort of rewards you for playing the game right a lot of what it does is basically say hey hold territory in the middle of the board don't let your opponents get into your backfield etc etc which sort of just rewards you for playing the game but it doesn't in a way that doesn't really rely on luck or chance some of the weakness of other secondary or tack ops is that they rely on a specific operative dying 
And security doesn't really emphasize that too much. So novitiates are great because they can mostly have their deck full of security, which are generally pretty good tack ops. Uh, they also have our consecrate ground, which is a really, really great secondary, which basically asks them to, um, you know, uh, hold certain objectives. And they have another tack op where uh, novitiates dying on an objective allows them to score more points, which can be great on certain board layouts. When you're uh, beginning your games, you have go to strategic ploys or tack ploys that that you you tend to lean on heavier so uh that's uh definitely a a great one for novitiates because uh there's a specific strat ploy that a lot of players when they see it they it really catches your eye and that's eyes of the emperor and what that does is it makes your pistols infinite range and really what that's doing is giving your leader infinite range pistols and one thing i found over the over time playing the faction is i actually started being averse to playing this on turning point one uh it sounds counterintuitive, but novitiates are actually really command point hungry, but they're not spending it in their strategic ploys. They're spending it in their tactical ploys. And that's really the dance is that every time you spend one for Eyes of the Emperor, that's one less of your really critical tactical ploys you get to use. It's funny that you say that because I was literally just talking to Giacomo right before we started this and telling him about Eyes of the Emperor and how cool it was. Uh, and how excited I was to try it out. Um, that's a very, very insightful take that you had there. Yeah, I sort of capped myself to, um, as I was playing the faction more, I used it less. And actually, my sort of rule of thumb is I don't want to use it more than twice a game. Because again, every time I'm using it, that's one less time I can use Burning Wrath, Righteous Condemnation, or Glorious Martyrdom. Um, I think moving to favorite equipment, this is always interesting to me because I feel like I don't know. This could either make or break some some operatives. Do you have uh, equipment that you you tend to focus on? So uh, unfortunately, I was still playing the faction, um, and I've, I've since sort of hung it up and dipped my tone to some other factions. But I was still playing novitiates back when the crack spam was the way to go, and I was def- <laughs> yeah. and I was one of those uh, serial offenders um, caught red-handed where I was using cracks all the time, um, and I didn't really dip my toe into some of the other really interesting. Uh, equipment options because to be frank in a tournament i'm trying to minimize cognitive load i knew crack grenades i knew them well and i didn't want to have to remember some of the other things i'd have to keep in mind Uh, that said there's two other pieces of equipment that that really strike me as being really useful to use Uh, one is the auto chastiser which i was using a little bit of before Um, but the restriction on crack grenades means that you know if i were to play the team more now I would definitely be running more of those auto chastisers. And for the uninitiated, uh, what those allow you to do is if you roll a one, you can re-roll it for free. And as long as you don't roll it into another one, you're fine. If you do re-roll it into another one, you suffer one mortal wound, which honestly ain't that bad. Uh, Another one that is really interesting and I would have been running a lot is I think Sainted Reliquay. And that is the one where it's whatever one that lets you do a free act of faith once per game. Uh, the ability to put this on some key operatives where you'll know you need to do a certain act of faith that might be expensive, for example, the Condemner, uh, is really, really useful, right? Being able to auto-crit with that weapon uh, makes it P1 and does those mortal wounds, and that could make or break a shot. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. but I think uh, something underrated that you said in this, uh, your, your, the last time you were speaking, uh, was um, the fact that you're minimizing your cognitive load. And I think that that is such an insightful 
thing for new tournament players and for tournament players in general is because when I went to LVO last time, that's the thing I focused on most was to lessen my cognitive uh, load, uh, especially because um, when I, I was playing vet guard back then, all I ran was hot shots and uh, that every single game, I didn't run crack. I didn't run anything, just ran hot shots the entire time. And that helped me um, focus on everything else in the game. Especially yeah. being new to yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot to be said for cognitive load at a tournament level. And there's a couple reasons for that that don't show up in a local playgroup setting. One is, to be frank, you're going to be playing a lot of great players at a tournament, right? They're players that you don't normally run into. You're not maybe not used to their factions and definitely not used to the way they play. Because, you know, veteran players will tell you, Two players might run the same faction, but they'll pilot it differently, right? The decisions they make will be different, and you won't be used to the types of things that these players will do. And that's something you have to start start considering. The other part is just flat endurance. If you're going four games a day, especially two games in a row, you know, by late in the first day or in the second day, you're going to have a lot of games behind you, a lot you're thinking about. You might be hungry. And every little piece you add to your cognitive load is one additional thing you're thinking about and carrying it through your day. Moving into just your personal opinion, do you think this is an easy team to play, especially for like a new player? I definitely do not think that the team is necessarily easy to pick it up and play. How many games do you think you'd have to have under your belt before you'd you'd want to take this to a tournament? To bring novitiates to a tournament, I definitely would say that you'd want about 20 to 30 games under your belt to feel really comfortable with them. Especially now because novitiates are somewhat of a boogie woman in the local meta, or the, I guess, global meta now for the game. Uh, People are going to be studying up on what you do, and any seasoned players in a tournament uh, will have played against novitiates before. They're going to know your tricks, and if they don't know them better than you do, you're going to have a rough go. All right. Um, Are there any tips that you would give to like new players wanting to like learn to play this team? The big tip that I'd give to newer players, uh, Pilot Novitiates, is you got all these faith points you're getting and you're getting this beautiful, sexy list of all these things you can spend your faith (laughs) points on. Uh, And my my number one piece of advice is don't burn through those faith points unless necessary. Uh, It's really easy to go. Oh, hey, uh, I'm just going to put myself in a in a bold position. I'm going to pop blinding Aurea and he can't shoot me. Um, and that's going to go okay for a little bit. And as soon as people catch on and sort of learn how to mitigate that, you're in, you're in trouble. So you said that you've been playing novitiates earlier this year, but you've kind of retired them. Is it just because you, you didn't find them, uh, you were too much of a challenge for other people? You weren't having fun playing them anymore? Uh, no, I certainly wouldn't say say that. Uh, all all of the games I had in the Novitiates were, you know, I met a ton of great players and had really, really great games. Uh, the Novitiates retired, uh, retired just to keep things fresh for me. Um, I sort of have a, what I call my Hall of Heroes at home. And after a team gets a few months of gameplay, uh, I put them up on this sort of, you know, shelf and I try something else. And this forces me to stay fresh. So my Novitiates, I love them to death. I had such great time with them. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let them you know, have some R&R for a while uh, while I keep poking around and trying some other teams. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love that idea of not being kind of pigeon-toed into one team that you're just playing tournament after tournament. Um, what do you think your hardest matchup was with them? Uh, I guess one of my most problematic matchups that I had were with Void Dancers. Um, I That was something that was sort of uh, near the end of when I was playing them. 
a puzzle I felt like I never quite truly cracked. And I found that games against, uh, against Void Dancers were just super swingy. And I didn't have any really great tools, I felt, of really checkmating that team. Their ability to use the Harlequin's Kiss to simply one-shot my operatives when they wanted to um, was something I never really found a great way to mitigate. And uh, every game when I drew Void Dancers, I found it uh, very concerning uh, as, uh, as far as the matchup goes. Matchup-wise, uh, what player should be nervous playing Novitiates? <laughs> Is there just a team that they're just going to dominate over? Uh, definitely one of the teams that I think has a rough go in Novitiates is Wormblade. I think Wormblade have a lot of great tools and tricks against so many teams, <laughs> but a big thing that Wormblade do is they really crush that turn one. They look for vulnerabilities in your, in your backline and they exploit it turn one. The problem is inherently Novitiates don't care. Novitiates <laughs> are very happy to have an extremely conservative turn one. They will not put themselves in any risky positions. And even if you catch them with their shorts down, they can pop Blinding Aura in Emergency and sort of ruin this Alpha Strike you're setting up with Wormblade. So I think that's one of the kind of sneaky ones where Wormblade are a really strong team, and that matchup is just awful for them. I have another question for you. So let's say somebody's put in 30, 40 games on um, Novitiates. What would, if you could still give somebody advice playing them, let's say like a pro tip level, like what would that be? I would it'd definitely be something that I that I harped on before. And this is something that when I was at the Seattle GT, I sort of was talking to some of the novitiate players about um, to my regret when I faced one of them the next day in a mirror match. Um, but it's it's, you know, avoid eyes of the emperor and blinding aura where possible. It's so easy to get caught in this rhythm of popping eyes to get this plasma shot ready to go. And pop blinding aura is just a defensive posture. And the when I felt like I was in a really good swing with this team and I had it down were the times where I started using those less and less and blinding aura was an emergency move that I was almost playing mind games with my opponent into, into me popping, but I never actually do it. Well, I have uh, one more question for you. All right. Uh, this I'm one's going to be not kill team related in the sense of the game itself, but rather when you go to a tournament, what is one thing you would tell other players to do? just to kind of prepare for a tournament. You know, you're going to be up for long hours. You're going to go for maybe one or two days. What would you tell them you'd want them to do? Well, two general things. Uh, one, know your own team's rules. Uh, this is something that if you're going to a tournament, people are trying to wrap up games in an hour and a half. Uh, you got to at least know your own team rules, you know, front to back. Um, that's, that's the number one thing. Um, the number two thing is honestly review the obscuring rules. Um, almost every tournament I go to, I run into a player that doesn't have a great grasp on obscuring, and I have to do a little bit of time teaching them on how that works. And I'm happy to do so. I love getting people into the game. I'm teaching people all the time. Um, but at a tournament setting, you can have some real feels bad moments when, you know, I have to tell you, hey, that's just completely not a legal shot because of where you are. And there's no way in the world you can get into a good position with, you know, a, only a dash if you have a heavy weapon. Those are the two things that, especially obscured, I know those rules can be tricky, but you definitely need to know them cold if you're going, especially to a larger event. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely agree with uh, obscuring. It's a very difficult rule to nail down, even for veteran players. Um, I think that's about it. Is there anything else that you'd like to shout out for your socials? Uh, anything? Uh, not particularly, other than, uh, you know, Twitch, uh, Kill Team Stream is where we stream uh, games live uh, Friday nights. They're a really great time, and uh, tune in if you want to watch that trash talking and people playing some Kill Team. Absolutely. 
All right, Chris, thank you so much, man. Uh, look forward to have you on the show once again. Uh, other than that, man, ha- have a great night. Thank you all. It was awesome. Take care. Take care. Well, Saya, thank you for hosting that interview for us. I really appreciated that you came on. Absolutely my pleasure. Well, do you have any things you want to plug today? Um, other than my Instagram, Sayon, S-A-Y-A-Y-O-H-N. It's a mouthful. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, you know, you can also follow Squad Games. Uh, I'll be hosting for Squad Games, the SGTT, the Squad Games Team Tournament in Pasadena in November. I believe it's the 5th and 6th. Um, I won't be playing, which makes me really sad because I will be hosting it. I know you're competitive. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm very, very competitive. But at the same time, it is a team tournament, and I don't want to... I don't know. I, I think that it's it's going to be much better for me to to host it. And uh, I, I think I'm more sad because the prize support for this is incredible. And so I you know I'm just sitting here like, like look at the stuff I'm not going to get. Uh, but uh, I'm actually looking forward. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really big event. I know it's going to be a lot of Soul Cal, Southern California, I should say, players. But I actually think it's going to extend out to many people coming in to play it so i mean that's gonna be a very exciting event uh also you know make sure people follow this because i'll be hosting lvo i'm i say that tentatively because there's a part of me that really wants to compete at lvo las vegas open 2023 i believe that's in january but i'm on the fence about it but i i'm kind of leaning more i think about it more into hosting but if that competitive side of me creeps up there i'm you know i'm i might not i might not host well if you decide to we'd love to have you on there well, thank you. Well, Dakota, do you have any things you want to plug? Yeah, so I would like to plug uh, our stream on Wednesdays. If anyone's around, wants to pop in, chat a little bit. Uh, we have someone controlling the computer, so we'll chat back. My events, I would also like to shout out. If you guys are in the SoCal area, I do run a, one event every month. We're running... Uh, the next tournament is this Saturday. Uh, at Darkside Games. That's August the 13th. August the 13th. And then we have September is going to be September 10th is our next one. And after that, I will be hosting all three of the tournaments or pods in so uh, at the SoCal Open for right. FLG. And that's on October 21st. Yeah, it's that weekend. And uh, we're, we'll be doing pods the first day. We'll be doing the championships on Saturday, and on Sunday, we're going to be doing a, doing a doubles tournament, and then we'll have the team tournament on November 5th and 6th, then we'll do an LVO prep, and then LVO after that, and oh, I would yeah. love to see more and more people coming out to tournaments. It's a great way to practice and just have fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a good time. We, we have a good time. We have a lot of prizes and stuff like that, so I think that's what I want to shout out. What about you, Jack? Well, you can always find me at Wargaming Studios. That's Wargaming underscore studios on Instagram. And you can find me at Jock Plays Games on Twitter. All right, brother. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And uh... and thank you guys also for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll catch you later. <laughs> catch you next time.